Hello and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. I'm Teres Diasny and I've been talking to Asif Sadiq. Asif has had a long and distinguished career working in businesses to help make them more diverse and inclusive. He says that over the past year, the process of bringing our more authentic selves to work has sped up, even as many of us have been working from home. My name is Asif Sadiq. I'm the uh, Senior Vice President for Equity and Inclusion at WarnerMedia. I've been working in this space for about 20 years now uh, in various different organisations uh, like Adidas, uh, EY, the Telegraph Media Group and the Police Service, heading up DNI. So obviously we're, we're talking to each other down the line. It's been a really strange year for everybody. In, in your experience, how has the situation in all sorts of workplaces changed over the past year? Yeah, so so I think there's some um, some positives and of course some some negatives from the situation last year. I think for for the workplace in itself, we've all gone into this new sort of remote working or have been working remotely from home, and um, that in itself has uh, of course created uh, disruption for many. You know, who who might have other responsibilities uh, that they need to also manage and work from home. Uh, especially those with kids, and I can I, I can only say that from a personal perspective, where it's been very difficult managing uh, two young kids and working from home. Um, but I do also think, from a uh, fr- from a sort of positive perspective, um, it's given us some ownership around our own sort of sort of day and um, and also insights into each other's lives that we never had. So, so for the workplace, I mean, I've learned more about my colleagues during this period of time than I ever have done because we generally go into the workplace uh, and then we're at work you know we, we don't bring uh, our whole self or you know all of ourself into into work but working from home we've had insights you know I know everyone who's got a dog a cat kids um, you know what they like doing all those kind of things uh, so so I think that there is some positives as well that we've, we've managed to achieve uh, through through working from home. And do you think this these some of these things are good changes that maybe we ought to try and make last in the future as you say knowing a bit more about people's selves and what people are like out of the workplace as well definitely definitely i i, I think i mean I, you know in, in the space of uh inclusion i think one of the biggest ways that we can learn and grow uh, as organizations as individuals and really create that environment where people have a sense of belonging is through knowing more about each other. You know, we're, we're all unique. We all have our unique identities. You know, uh, we're not defined by one particular characteristic of diversity. You know, there's multiple layers. Intersectionality means there's so much more to us than just one thing. Um, and I think by exploring more, learning more, you know, that, that really helps us create a safe space and that, you know, uh, environment where people uh, feel that they can bring their whole self to work. Do you think it takes a crisis in order to create a lot of these changes? I mean, I'm thinking not only, obviously people have been, parents, as you mentioned, have been asking for flexible working and remote working for years, and that hasn't necessarily happened. But also looking across at the United States, we've seen uh, Black Lives Matter protests. And it seems like it takes a crisis for a a business culture to suddenly think, well, we have to change something here. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I I, I think one of the things... um has been that what a crisis does is it puts everyone in the same position. So if we look at remote working, uh, as you rightly mentioned, it was you know certain individuals asking for it. And by the way, I, I don't believe it should just be working, working parents who should be allowed to work flexibly. Anyone should. 
you know that that's the whole idea of flexible working you don't necessarily need an excuse um but it should be the given that you know if we want to work flexibly you know want to work from home a couple of days a week that should be the norm um and and i think same when you look at um sort of black lives matter uh, again, if you look at some of the challenges around racial equity and so on, they've existed in the workplace for a long time. But what, what, what these two big events have done is they've brought these topics to the forefront where organizations can't, uh, you know, look at them as something we'll look at later or, you know, we're doing something in that space. They've really had to bring it to, to the top of their agenda, you know, and that I think has been the, 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 the positive thing that it's given organizations the push if, if, if I can say that, that they needed to, to, to really focus more on this. I mean, even if I take remote working again as an example, there were organizations who had embedded various different things within this space, and they were in a better place, you know, when, when, when we had to work remotely because they'd already put systems in place. And the organizations that had chosen not to necessarily focus on it had to scramble around trying to figure out what they need to do. So you know, it, it, it just clearly shows that, yes, you know, a crisis brings it to the forefront. But actually, if you embed it in advance, you're in a much better position. And the same with racial equity. Organizations who had created channels for communication with their staff had already started addressing some of the challenge, challenges um, uh, around racial equity. were in a better position to elevate them. There's obviously been a lot of attention paid to uh, the issues of people's mental health during the pandemic. Is that an issue that, again, uh, companies and other organisations have had to address more clearly during the pandemic, you know, perhaps to talk to people about if they were not coping well with uh, lockdown, for instance? Definitely. I mean, I, I think it's had an impact on, on nearly every person's mental health in some way, shape or form. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, it, it's been it's been a difficult time, you know, for everyone. And companies have had to step up and provide more support, still make people feel they're part of uh, an organization when they're not within the organization. They're working from home. So I think companies have had to do a lot of different things. Um, and even individuals, you know, uh, we've had to sort of really you know look at our mental health, look at what what does that mean? Um, and and one, one of the big things I think, though, is even from an organizational perspective, um, it can't be something we're reactive to. Uh, we need to be proactive, you know, and, and, and one of the things I used to talk about a lot when I was at Adidas is that we, we should view mental health similar to physical exercise. You know, we, we, we need to exercise our mental health and make sure that, um, you know, we, we continue to do the small, small things and the things we need to do to ensure that our, our mental health is, is, is good, but we, we don't tend to do that. And that's not been something um, that's necessarily been embedded uh, within uh, individuals or within organizations. But I do think that's, that's a critical thing that we need to focus on. That's really interesting that you make that comparison. And obviously, you know, with a sports company, the comparison with physical health probably, you know, hit home quite clearly. What are the things that companies can do to kind of promote good mental health on a, on a regular basis? I mean, there's, there's so many different things. And, and you know, I've seen... Um, I've seen organizations doing so many different interventions from, you know, mental health days to uh, self-reflection days to, um, you know, activities which can, I mean, physical activities. Uh, so this is a sports bit which can support your mental health and so on. Um, but I think more than that, it's creating a safe space to have the conversations. That's what companies need to focus on. You know, if we talk about mental health and normalize the conversations around mental health, then we can all talk about exercising our mental health like we do, you know, uh, you know, you can join a meeting and someone will be like, oh, I've just come back from my job. 
um, or you know, I, I've just uh, I'm going for a, I'm going to the gym at lunchtime and so on. We need to normalize the conversations around our mental health in the same way, so that we can we can really start seeing the importance of us really really uh, you know exercising that piece with our with our you know mental health and and it's it's even small small things you know I I see so many different um, things uh, for example even with us you know we talk about you know taking time out uh, drinking plenty of water. Uh, ensuring that uh, you know uh, managing your day better all those kind of things that that sort of fit in but I think the bigger picture or the bigger thing that's really important is the conversation around it and how we normalize that I've seen elsewhere you've talked about the need to kind of create a sense of psychological safety for people when you're building a more inclusive corporate culture can you explain a bit what you mean about by that yeah. So, so what I mean by psychological safety is, you know, uh, an environment where we can have conversations without fear of repercussions, uh, without fear of being judged, without fear of um, getting it wrong or saying the wrong thing. Um, and that that is so critical. And, you know, j- just to give you an example, um, you know, m- many, many years ago, I, I used to work in the police service and mental health, for example, was one of those subjects that there was no psychological safety around speaking about it. You know, if you spoke about mental health, Either, either it was um, it was something that people would make fun of, or you were told, "Oh, you'll be fine, mate. Just get on with it." You know, and and, and it's that kind of so you didn't feel the psychological safety to actually have the conversations within your workplace. And I think, therefore, it's so relevant for workplaces to create that psychological safety so people can have the conversation. And when I say conversations, it's also um, conversations beyond referrals, beyond pointing people in in a certain direction, because that is important. Of course, you know, employee assistance programs, other support mechanisms that we might have for mental health, like mental health first aiders and so on. But line managers, colleagues, we need to be in a position to be able to um, actually have conversations around the topic um, and and that safety to to, to allow people to to do that. Do you think there is still in some corporate cultures a feeling that people will be judged you know if you talk to your line manager and say you know my mental health is not great at the moment that that might somehow be marked against you even though it's obviously not supposed to be of course I mean I you know I'd be lying if I sat here and told you that that doesn't exist and it's there's no there's no fear in that respect Um, but I do think if I'm being very honest with you I think we've come a long way in the last uh, last sort of 12 14 months I think there's such a I can only reflect, for example, in my uh, my current organization, we talk very openly about mental health. In fact, I'm just putting together a panel in a couple of weeks with leaders to talk about returning to work and, and what kind of um, you know impact that's going to have on individuals and what the leaders are doing to 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 ensure their their, their mental health uh, during that period of time. So, I think it's moved and come a long way. Um, but I don't want to you know deny that there might be organizations or pockets within organizations where it's still a difficult conversation uh, to have. And do you think that all employees necessarily want to take part in this? I mean, are we moving towards a different world now where people do know much more about your life? You you don't just leave your life at the door of the office. And some people might still say, well, you know what, my my private life is my private life and my work life is my work life. And I don't really want these two things to mix so much. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, the amount of time we're spending now at work, the way our lives are focused, I mean, even working from home, I, I'm pretty sure if you ask the majority of people, they'll tell you they haven't been doing a nine to five. Um, it's been a mixture of, you know, all sorts of hours and so on. So our, our work lives are so ingrained into into our life, you know, that whole notion of, you know, that work life balance. Um, of course, I think it's very important. 
But I don't think it's as straight cut as, you know, I go to work from nine, I finish at five, and then I forget about work. Technology has meant that we've got access to all sorts of things. We check our emails. I'm just guilty. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, as much guilty of this as anyone else. I, I sit there in, in the evening looking at my emails. So, so I think the world of work uh, has changed. But I think with that, because of the amount of time we're spending working or with our colleagues, people want it to mean more than just a place you go, you do your work and you leave. People want to bring that true, authentic self to work. Uh, and I think discussions on topics um, like this, the, the generational change, younger generations view and discuss these topics um, whereby they're not seen as an add-on or they're not seen as something you know, different to what they were taught. It's part and parcel of what they, or how they believe conversations, like the DNI space. You know, diversity and inclusion for, for a lot of young people is not you know, the, the, the nice to have or there's something or a page on a website. They want that to be you know, integrated and integral to everything an organization does. And, and I think, again, with mental health, it's exactly the same. People, people value it. People talk about it. You know? uh, again, younger, statistically, younger people are more, more confident to you know, come and tell their line managers, hey, you know, I'm, I'm stressed out or you know, I've got anxiety and so on. Whereas, again, you know, statistically, older people are still more likely to try to make excuses for it. But I think as we go into this generational change and we normalize it, people will be more confident in speaking about it and will want to. What do you think the next big challenges are once we sort of over the pandemic period? And obviously, as you say, things are going to have changed an awful lot. What are the next challenges that companies need to start thinking about now in order to be ahead of the game? Well, I I think one of the biggest um, challenges would be the return to work. And I I say that because we've spent over a year working remotely, many of us have. Um, and, and with that, you know, returning to work is not easy. You know, as humans, we're people of habit. And that change will cause a level of anxiety, stress, um, alongside a number of other things. And, and, you know, that's something we have to understand and acknowledge and prepare for. You know, it won't be that we'll, you know, switch on a switch to say, hey, from Monday, everyone's back at work. And the next thing will be that everyone will be back at work on Monday. And from Tuesday, we can be back to business as usual. Um, I, th- I think we'll have to factor that in. And create an environment. I only say that, I mean, I'll give you a very personal example. The other day I had to go into Houston station, a station I've gone into for over 15 years. And um, I went in, been very comfortable, used to go during rush hour. Um, And I went in and and in all honesty, um, I had this level of anxiety because I've not done it for so long. You know, I was looking at, there was all these people around me and it wasn't even busy. Um, And the train, the train times going off and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not used to that because, again, in the comfort of my home, I don't have that many different things going on at the same time. Um, so, so again, I, and you know, I was like, okay, so I need to prepare for this. I need to start understanding that I, I'll need to ease back into this routine that I used to have. Um, so, so I think that's a big thing. You know, organizations have to prepare for that and, and, and to create that understanding. And also more than that, what is the future of work? You know, is it a hybrid working model? Are we going to work a level of flexibility? And with all that, which, which I 100% think that we will be doing, um, we also need to then consider what does inclusion look like? How do we ensure every single person, even those who might work more flexibly than others, are not disadvantaged by that? 
that's interesting what you say about the commuting. I think there's a lot of people feel they've almost lost a kind of a, a stamina that, you know, you used to do dozens of things in a day and now you do rather fewer of them and getting back to that level of kind of stamina and fitness almost is, is quite difficult. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. What, what have you done personally to try and to cope with those challenges? I know you've had a new job to start recently. Yeah, definitely. So, so it's simply, I mean, I'm going to use the sports analogy again. Um, so it's, it's, it's similar to, uh, to, to sports, right? And actually what you just said there really resonated because it is uh, it is the whole piece of that we're not used to it, right? Um, but if, if we were playing a sport and if, if I was a, I don't know, a runner who could run five miles a day and I hadn't done it for a year uh, and then I, all of a sudden I wanted to get back into it, there's no way that I'm going to get up one morning and run five five miles. What I'm probably going to do is start preparing, you know, start, start maybe doing a, a mile a day and then slowly building my, my my stamina up and then you know getting to the five miles a, a day again and i and i view it in the same way and, and on a personal level i'm seeing I, I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing so i've actually i'm planning to go into uh into london um again this week uh, on the weekend actually and again by myself so not not with the family just to start getting used to that concept of, of going back and then next week i'm going to try going during the week and so on so so that my mentally I'm exercising my mental health and getting used to the, uh, the the environment again. So, do you think that you know talked about the future the future of work uh, and how things are going to change? Do you think that companies we've seen a few of them, particularly say in the financial sector, where they've said nope, right back to the office, get back to your old working life? Are those companies going to hit big obstacles? Do you think in terms of what their employees want and how their business works? Yeah, so, so I think, look, I mean, in all honesty, I think there needs to be um, a balance, right, between return to work and working from home. Um, I don't think either option on either end of the spectrum is the right one. So, you know, this this notion of everyone will work five days a week from work, I'm not sure that's going to work. Or everyone will work from home five days a week, I'm not sure that's going to work either. And there's companies who've gone with with, with either option. Um, but I But I do think that What's really interesting is when you look at patterns of behavior, of how humans uh, change behaviors, patterns and things that they do, um, there, is, there is this element of keeping up uh, with the changing uh, uh, environment or you know, human behavior. And, and I, I always think of some of the big companies that, um, that were around sort of 10, 15 years ago that aren't there today because they didn't keep up, keep up with um, changes in human behavior. And, you know, we can all think of some of those big companies and you know, without mentioning them, uh, you know, uh, you're probably aware and, and our sort of listeners would be aware of some of the companies who are not around, but they didn't adapt to, to the changing environment that they were operating in. And, and I think that would, be, that would be critical, especially with back to the point around younger generations coming into the workplace, what it means for them. Um, so, so I think there will be a, a level of, you know, how do we meet in the, I, I want to say middle, but it's not really a, a direct middle. But what is what is a, a good, good, good way to manage this, uh, I, I think is important. I, I don't think we can be uh, adamant that, you know, one way or the other will be the right way. Because I've certainly, of people I know, I've seen people who have worked in very high pressure environments where they've been expected to travel all the time at short notice, for instance, miss out on seeing their families. And a lot of them are saying now, I don't want to have to do that anymore. You know, I'm not going to accept the way that I used to work. And they're obviously, you know, a slightly older generation. Do you think that will be a big change that hits a lot of people? I, I, I think so. I mean, the travel piece is interesting because if you think about it, I mean, the, the amount of uh, money companies and organizations used to spend on, especially exec travel, um, 
it's a great opportunity now to save that money if they can do the, the same meeting over Zoom or Teams or you know any other platform. For companies, there's some gains as well. And, and even when you think about the, some of the companies who've gone into a more flexible working model or reduced their uh, amount of time staff are going to spend in the office, some of them, of course, it, I, I, I'd like to hope they're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Um, but more than that, they're saving money on, on, on costs of rent for huge estates in, in, in London or in other capital cities. So, so I do think that, that all that, um, you know, w- with those changes, th- there's benefits to a company, not just from staff well-being, but also from a commercial, you know, financial perspective, organizations can optimize performance. I mean, even if, you, if we go back to the example of traveling, when someone travels for a one hour meeting, uh, let's say to the States, that, that's three days generally um, out uh, for that person spent in traveling for a one hour meeting. If they can do that one hour meeting through Zoom, that's, that's a lot of saving for a company of, the, of, of that person's time. And do you think your own attitude to work and the kind of balance that you want with your life has changed over the last year or so? Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, I, I think um, for me, the realization is that I need to manage my, my, my whole sort of work-life balance much better um, and, and just acknowledge, um, you know, how, how do I make time for different things in my life? Um, and that's been a big, big, big thing for me, you know, because all of us sort of, I think we're, or many of us were stuck in this, you know, building our careers and constantly working and, and so on. And for me now, it's about, you know, how can I do that, but still carve out time for my family, carve out time to do the things I enjoy doing. Um, and, and again, because those things complement how productive and, 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 and my performance at work, because the more I balance that, the better my performance. And you mentioned earlier that you've seen the culture at work change a great deal. I mean, obviously, from when you started out in the police service, that must have been a very different sort of place and time. What are your hopes for the next few years of work for yourself and for other people? Yeah, I, I, I guess uh, for, for me, it, it, it's about that we we create an environment. I, I think back to the point I've probably mentioned um, a few times, but how do we create an environment where people can bring their authentic self to work? And I say that because the truth and reality is, you know, being someone else is so hard. And I say being someone else, whether that be from a race perspective, gender perspective, you know, sexual orientation, disability, and so on. If we're trying to forget who we are, to try to fit in, it's very, very hard. But if we create an environment where people can be their authentic self, you know, can talk about what's important to them, can talk about their differences in a comfortable environment, we will create workplaces that are hugely successful, but more than that, environments that people feel they belong. And I think that's so important. You know, we, we spend majority of our lives working. We cannot afford to spend that time being miserable. We have to be happy doing do, 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 doing what we enjoy. So, so to do that, workplaces um, will have to create those environments and individuals will start bringing their authentic self to work. That's a lovely point on which to end. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Head Talks podcast. We hope you found it helpful and interesting. You can find many more talks on our website at headtalks.com or listen to our podcasts on all the usual channels.